I want to go ahead and uh, here in just a minute read our scripture for today uh, together and then we're going to come back and we're going to dissect it just a little bit because in these few scriptures there is a wealth of information and there is a wealth of, uh, of, of theological and, and basic Christian depth just in, just in a few short verses that we're going to go over today. Our scripture is going to come out of the book of uh, 2 Corinthians let me give you a little bit of background on that real quick. Um, this letter, as we, as most of us probably know, was written to the church at Corinth. It's a letter authored by the Apostle Paul. If you remember anything about 1 Corinthians, you'll know that Paul's first letter to that church was not exactly the kindest letter in the world. He was, he was pretty harsh. He was pretty brash. He was pretty blunt in some of the things that he said. He was also very encouraging as well. The reason he was doing that, the reason that he wrote that letter was because there was a lot of bad stuff going on in the church of Corinth. Um, I always, always, you know, like to compare it to the old Las Vegas commercial. Uh, what happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. It was really just, it was really just that bad. There's a lot of immorality going on within the church, and not just the fact that there was immorality going on in the church, but that immorality was being praised, and it was being welcomed within the boundaries of the church. Needless to say, Paul was not amused. So he was pretty heavy-handed in that first letter that he wrote to him. And by the way, we know that Paul, this doesn't really have anything to do with it, just, uh, just to give you a little Bible trivia here, Paul actually wrote four letters to the church of Corinth that we are aware of. Only two of them made it to the Bible, but we can read through the Bible and we understand that he wrote at least four letters to that church. So he was really, really involved with them. So anyway, by the time he gets to, uh, we get to the second Corinthians uh, that church has kind of uh, corrected itself in a lot of ways. It, it, uh, most people, most people, accepted Paul's first letter for the most part. It was accepted well uh, by most within the church. Most within the church, <laughs> not all within the church. There were a lot of folks. There was a good number of folks that still did not care for Paul, nor did they appreciate Paul very much. And they started questioning him. They started sowing a lot of discord within the church. They were questioning Paul's authority. They were questioning his leadership. They were questioning his motives. They were questioning his, uh, his teachings. So that's kind of where we land when we come into 2 Corinthians. Um, this is basically a, a good majority of 2 Corinthians is Paul just kind of defending himself. He's defending his, himself, his, his authority, as a true apostle of Jesus Christ. He's, 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 depend, he's defending his gospel. And he is defending his ministry. So when we land in chapter 5, which is what we're going to look at today, <clears throat> Paul is kind of in the process of defending his Christian ministry as an apostle of Jesus Christ. But he's also, in just a few verses, lays down some really, really beautiful theology. He lays down some really, really beautiful theology. And he lays down some really, really beautiful instructions for the church here. And also for the church of today as well. So <clears throat> we're going to start in 17. And we're going to read all the way down through verse 21. <clears throat> so starting at 17. Therefore, Paul writes, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Christ, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ and not counting people's sins against them. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. 
We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And we implore you, on the behalf of Christ himself, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the word of God for the people of God. I want you to look at that first verse, because in all honesty, that's about as far as we're going to get today, probably. Reread that first verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. The translation that's up there on the screen, and the one the one is in our in our pew Bibles, is the NIV. It's the new international version. I don't particularly care for the way that the new international version translates this particular portion of the scripture. Uh, the one that talks about if any, the one that says the part, the portion especially that says if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The reason I don't like that is because I think it takes something away from the incredible impact of what Paul is saying here. There is a huge thing that Paul is laying down for us here. And I think this particular translation kind of misses the mark a little bit. So I'm going to read to you a couple other translations that I feel that I believe kind of get it a little bit closer to what Paul is getting at here, what he wants us to understand. The first one comes out of the New Living Translation, the, new, the NLT. Here's how the NLT translate it, translates it. He says, it writes, <clears throat> This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. You see kind of the difference there just a little bit? The new creation has come. Anyone who is in Christ has become a new person. I think that's a better translation of what Paul is trying to emphasize here. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. If you happen to have a New American Standard Bible, in ASB, this is how that Bible translates it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. Are y'all feeling this? Are y'all feeling the fullness of this? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. I want us to grasp this, church. I want us to get the fullness of what he is laying down for us here, okay? This is a miracle. I want us to grasp the miraculous, emphatical impact of this statement. I want y'all to soak it in all of its glorious fullness of what Paul is telling us here. If you are a believer today, church, if you are a believer, if you have submitted yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, if you've repented of your sinful nature, and if you have simply believed in your heart of hearts that Jesus has saved you from those sins, God has already done a miraculous work in your life. And there's no other word for it. And I'm going to touch on that in a few minutes. God has already done a miraculous, miraculous work in your life. Paul says that we are new creations. We are new creations in and through our faith in Jesus Christ. We are literally transformed from the inside out. We are reoriented in our minds. We are reoriented in our hearts away from our inherent selfishness and our inherent sinfulness and we are reoriented towards a life that is devoted towards the will of God. We are reoriented to that word holiness which is basically just Christianese 
for ultimate love, ultimate love for God, and ultimate love for our neighbor with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. That's what holiness is, where we are reoriented to that and away from selfishness. This is powerful stuff, church. This is a powerful, powerful, powerful statement. God accomplishes in us through nothing but faith. Nothing. It ain't nothing that we do. You're like my South Georgia there. It ain't nothing that we do except our simple faith. And God does this to us. He accomplishes in us those things that we cannot accomplish on our own. These things that we in and of ourselves could never, ever accomplish. He changes our hearts. He changes our minds. He changes the way that we think. He changes the way that we view the world around us. He greatly removes the propensity that we have towards sin, and he replaces it with a desire to align ourselves with his will. Tell me that's not a miracle, folks. Think about it. You know, and I've touched on this before, but it's worth bringing up again. Look at your own lives. Look at your life prior to Christ. Look at your life since Christ. In the same vein, maybe there's a time in your life where you, you, you were a Christian, you were a believer, you had that, and you strayed away from the faith at some point, but then again, at some point, you were brought back. Think of your life difference in that time period, and I hope that you can see what I'm talking about. What was your life like before, and what was your life like after or since? Can you, and I think you probably can, can you, looking back, observe an undeniable and a noticeable change in yourself? I'm going to bet you can. You know, I've told you guys on a number of occasions how this has happened and, and, and how it continues to happen in my own life. The fact that I am a believer in Christ today is nothing but a miracle. The fact that I believe in the authority of Holy Scripture is nothing less than a miracle. Y'all know I've told you that I've given up a lot of bad habits or that God has moved a lot of bad habits from my life. And that's part of it. I mean, that's certainly a miracle too. But it ain't the biggest miracle. The biggest miracle is the way that I have been reoriented in my thinking, reoriented and away from a pursuit of self. And I don't say that to brag. I'm just telling you that's the way it is. Being reoriented away from where I, at a place in my life where I'm focused on Jerry and what Jerry wants. First and foremost, that person no longer exists, folks. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I am telling you that person does not live anymore. That person is gone. That person is dead. That person has experienced a new creation. Not as selfish as I used to be. Certainly not as sinful as I used to be. Not drawn to those things anymore. Not drawn. I'm not, I'm not oriented towards sin. And I hope that everybody in here has and is experiencing those same things. For a person like me, who 15 years ago not only was a non-believer, but was adamantly opposed to Christianity, almost militantly opposed to Christianity, you will never convince me that God did not work a miracle in my life. And I hope that all of you, again, have at least experienced that to some degree. I'm going to bet you can't. You have. I'm going to bet 
It may not be, it may not be that, it may not be exact, but I'm going to bet you have experienced that recreation, that reorientation of your minds and your hearts. We've talked about miracles lately, and I've probably made a whole lot of people really uncomfortable talking about miracles. Not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, we talked, we talked about when Jesus sent out the 12 disciples on their, on their first mission trip, really, and he gave them power to what? He gave them power to cast out demons. He gave them power to, uh, to heal the sick, to proclaim the kingdom of God. We talked about the numerous extraordinary works of the apostles and the early disciples that we see in the book of Acts, all, these, all, all of these just huge miracles. And we talked about how that same Holy Spirit that empowered them to do that then still empowers us today. Let me ask you this, folks. You know, we, we, look, at, we look at casting out demons and we look at people, you know, being healed of, 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 of cancer and, 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 you know, just some horrific diseases, horrific illnesses. And we kind of marvel at those things. We kind of put those things on a pedestal. But can y'all tell me an, any, an even greater miracle than the ability to change a person's heart? Is there any greater miracle that you can think of than the ability to make a person start thinking, taking a 180 degree turn in the way that they think, the way that they move, the way that they operate? the way that they view the world around them. Is there any greater miracle than that? And folks, I'm going to tell you, most of y'all have probably experienced that, at least to some degree or another. You'll never tell me that's not a miracle. You'll never tell me that that's not a supernatural occurrence, because it is. All day long. All day long. There is nothing else in this world, church, there is nothing else in the natural world that compares to what God does when he makes us new creations. Nothing else in the natural world that compares to it. There is no amount of self-will. There is no amount of willpower that can do for us what God does in an instant. There is no self-help program. There are no self-help books, which, by the, way, by the way, tends to be the most popular section at bookstores that can do for us, that will do for us what God does in an instant and is able to do. Somebody give me an amen. Have you all experienced this? Thank you. Thank you, sister. <laughs> In an instant, folks, in an instant, as Christians, God has made us literally new creations. New creations, literally, and he continues to recreate us. That's the thing about Christianity. You know, he continues to do it as long as we allow him. He continues it because that's what he wants for us. He wants us to grow in that Christ-likeness. Paul talks about so much in his epistles. He continues to draw us closer to Him. He continues to desire to make us more like us, like Him. He continues to desire to mold and to shape us from the inside out. All we have to do is simply humble ourselves. Simply humble ourselves and allow ourselves to submit and to yield to the work that God already wants to do in our lives. 
my gosh. He gave, they turned my life around at one point, made me do a complete 180 turn from the way that I used to operate, the way that I used to think, the way that I used to treat people, the things that motivated me in life. He's already done that at some point. What in the world makes me think that he wouldn't want to continue to do that throughout my life? He does, and that's a major part of Methodist and Wesleyan theology. Always has been. It's a major part of our church is the understanding that God wants to sanctify us. That's another Christianese word. It just means that he wants us, he wants us to grow. He wants to grow us in the ability to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the ability to love our neighbors as ourselves. He wants to continue to do that. All we have to do is let go. All we got to do is quit fighting him. He's already made us new creations. He wants to make us more like him. And it's just a matter of letting him go. I don't know how to tell you to do that. I'm trying to figure that out myself. But if we can just let go of ourselves, <laughs> if we can just get us out of the way and let God do the work that he wants to do, he will do it. He will continue to recreate us, to reorient us. That's hope to me, folks. That's hope to me. That's the joy of Christianity, Christianity to me. And I'm, I'm going to stop here. I'm going to stop here, and we're, we're going to pick up with the rest of the Scripture uh, next week. Because, again, I just want you all to soak this in, man. I want you all to soak this in with, with, with all that it is and all that it has to offer us. What a powerful, powerful, powerful verse that is. What you got, eight, nine, ten words there? Something like that, twelve? If you are in Christ, the new creation has come. Let me read to you the other ones real quick, just as a reminder. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. If anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new have come. I want y'all to I want I want y'all to soak that in today. I want y'all to soak that in in the days to come. I want y'all to go back. If you don't read nothing else in your Bible this week, I want y'all to go back and read that one verse over and over and over and over again. I want you to meditate on that verse. I want you with that verse in your mind to talk to God, to converse with God, to pray with God. My God, what have you done for me? What have you done for me? We should stand in amazement. Have we lost that amazement today? I'm going to leave you with three questions. Number one, have you experienced this? Have you experienced, at least on some level, this new creation that God, that, that Paul's talking about? Is there a moment or is there a stretch of time in your life? Maybe, maybe it wasn't immediate like that. Maybe it, maybe it occurred over a, over a matter of time where God has changed you from the inside out or God has well there's no denying it there's no question about it where you stop being so self oriented and you started being more people oriented more God oriented have you experienced that and if you have what we need to do is remember it remember what God's already done for stand in amazement and praise and thanksgiving for something something so big Something so far above us that it has that he has the ability to do something so massive. 
change the human heart. Change the human heart. Rest in that gratitude. Have you not experienced this? Have you not experienced this? If you haven't, God wants you to. If you have not experienced this, God wants you. And I invite you to experience that today. Christianity starts off very simple, folks. And I know I'm kind of talking to the choir, looking out looking out who's here today. I know I'm kind of talking to the choir, but Christianity is starts off just so simple, so doggone simple. If you believe in, if you believe in your mind, confess with your mind, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. That's the beginning of the road. You know, repentance and repentance and belief, and that's it. I don't know about y'all, but that's when the miracle happened for me initially. When I finally really, 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 not just in my mind, but in, every, but in my spirit, when I finally submitted to that simple, simple knowledge, Jesus is who he said he is. <laughs> and I accept him, and I accept what he has done for me. That's when the miracle started happening in my life. If you haven't experienced that today, I, he wants you to experience that, and I invite you to experience that today for yourself. Are you stuck in the mud? Last questions. Have you experienced this before? But you see yourself getting stuck in the mud, maybe, or you see yourself regressing back to a heart, back to a mindset, perhaps, <clears throat> that's more grounded in yourself than it is God. That's okay. That's okay. You know, we talk about this in our life group all the time. Y'all can come on up, y'all. We talk about this in our life group all the time, man. You know, our walk with God, our, 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 our faith, our, our spiritual walk is, is a series of hills and valleys. Our walk with God is a series of hills and valleys. Isn't that right, Peggy? Isn't that right, Shirley? You know, we're not always walking totally upright with God. That's okay. God gets it. But I assure you, I can't tell you how to do it. I, can't tell, I wish I could. But the moment that you're able to once again submit... And yield yourself, get yourself out of the way. God will make that recreation again, <laughs> and again, and again, and again, and again. Y'all pray with me. Gracious God, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you so much for your scripture. God, we thank you for the Apostle Paul who, who reveals to us so much of your heart and, and so much of, of your richness and your fullness. God, we ask you to help us remember how awesome you are. We ask us to help you help, help us remember the incredible work that you have done in the lives and the hearts and the minds of so many of us, God. May we never lose that gratitude. May we never lose that thankfulness, God. We ask that you would reinvigorate us, God. Reinvigorate us with that memory of how you have propelled us along the way. How you've changed us from cold, callous, self-willed people, God, to people who were reoriented, people who were reguided, repointed towards loving God and towards loving our neighbors. God, if there's anybody here that has not experienced that, Lord, I pray that you would convict their hearts. God, I pray that you would show them the love and the mercy and the grace that so many of us have experienced. God, I pray that you would draw them into a relationship with you, that they, that they might too experience the beauty that happens when we are made new. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.